God's word today. All right, let's pray this morning if we could. Father, we come to you today and we open our hearts to hear from you. We forget the cares of life. We forget the busyness of everything that's swirling around us. And we just calm our minds. We ask you to speak to us today. Speak to our hearts. Give us your information today that will make a difference in us and change our lives. That we become everything you created us to be. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles to two passages of Scripture. Mark chapter 11 and Romans chapter 4. Mark chapter 11 and Romans chapter 4. Mark 11, Romans chapter 4. Last Sunday, we we had a great day here, a a day of worship and a day of prayer. And I I always leave service after those days just kind of on cloud nine because it's so great to spend extra time worshiping God and just sense God's presence And then to pray for the needs of people, knowing that God is getting involved in people's lives. I love those Sundays. And I always leave those Sundays just so excited and so encouraged at what God is doing in people's lives. But this week I began to pray for today and prepare for today. And and I became aware of something that always happens when we have special days of prayer. Now... We pray for people every Sunday. When service is over today, we have prayer teams here at the front of the building. Scripture says, if any are sick among you, let them call the elders of the church. We anoint with oil. We pray the prayer of faith. Scripture says the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. That's God's word to us. That's his promise. So we do that every Sunday. But every now and then, probably three or four times a year, we, we set aside a Sunday to honor God with worship and to pray in the service for specific needs. We did that last week. And I know when we have those kind of Sundays, there's always something that happens. The next Sunday rolls around, and there are people who are saying, well, I prayed, we prayed, but it didn't work for me. So now, what? We prayed last week, and it didn't work for me. So now, what? What am I supposed to do? I want to talk about that today, because I... God really stirred my heart last night about this very thing. I want to talk about it today. Look at Mark chapter 11. We're going to look, first of all, at some words that Jesus gave us in Mark 11. We're going to begin at verse number 22. Mark 11, verse 22. If you don't have a Bible with you or a device to read Scripture, we'll have the verses right up on the screen. Verse 22 says this. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. I want you to say those last four words with me. Have faith in God. One more time. Have faith in God. Literally what this verse says in those last four words is, have God faith. Have the God kind of faith. Literally, if I made it really simple today, what it says is, believe God. Believe God. Jesus said, believe God. Then in verse 23, notice these words. Jesus says, for surely I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That's that's pretty big words. Pretty big. Then Jesus goes on to say this in verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them 
and you will have them. Now, I want you to do something with me. I'm going to move quickly this morning, but I want you to read this verse right out loud because it's so important to what I want to share with you today. Let's read together. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Strong words from Jesus. And as you read through this passage of Scripture, every time I read it, I stop and I say, wow, wow, that's really strong, really, really strong. But it's what Jesus said to us. In verse 24, there are three words that I think really stand out in verse 24 that we need to notice today. And the three words are, and I want to put it in numerical order, number one, ask. Number two, believe. And number three, receive. Ask, believe, receive. Three words that Jesus gave us in that verse that I think are critically important to receiving from God. Ask, believe, and receive. As you look at those words, probably what's happening today is a lot of people get lost here in the middle because we say, I prayed... We prayed as a church. We prayed. How come I haven't received? Number one, I asked. Number three, why haven't I received? Well, to be honest with you, the answer is in the middle. The answer is believe. 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 God wants us to ask. It's his plan. He said, ask when you pray. Ask. And you will receive. But between the asking and the receiving, there is the word believe. I want to talk about this today because a lot of us get stuck between one and three. And if we get stuck between one and three and we don't handle this middle word carefully and properly, oftentimes we give up on number three and we never expect to receive because between asking and receiving you'll usually find that the word believing is a process it's a faith process and time gets involved here as you go through scripture there are a lot of instances i'll just give you two or three real quickly we're going to talk about abraham today Abraham was given a promise from God, but it took over 25 years for that promise to come to pass. Now, how many in the room today think you have great enough faith to wait 25 years for something? In this day, in this time, most people would give up after year 23. No, most of us would give up after hour 23. Man, my my microwave works faster than God. My email works faster than God. That's the problem. That's the problem. Everything is so fast today. Bop, 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 bop. We put God on the clock and we say, God, it's got to happen in this time frame or else I'm mad at you. And so we end up in this place of not believing God to do what he promised he would do. Another good example, Daniel. One occasion, Daniel was given a vision and he prayed for something. And for 21 days, for three weeks, in the middle of this warfare, Daniel's praying and believing. And finally, the angel shows up and says, I've come with your answer. And I'm going to paraphrase, but Daniel's first response was, where have you been for three weeks? You ever felt like asking God, where in the world have you been? We prayed at church last Sunday. It's been seven days, eight days now. What in the world is going on? on here 
There's also a story of some lepers that came to Jesus. And they said, make us clean, make us whole. And Jesus said, go your way and show yourself to the priest. Scripture says, as they went, they were made whole. As they went on this road of process, things happened in their lives. But some of us don't understand that faith and believing oftentimes is a process. Now, we're going to look at Romans chapter 4. And we're going to look at the New Testament account, one of the New Testament accounts of Abraham and Sarah and eventually Isaac. And we're going to look quickly because we're going to deal with the issues of faith. Because as I said earlier, Abraham went on this faith journey. He went into this process of faith. He went into this state of believing God that lasted 24 years before he saw the answer to the prayer. We're going to talk about this today. Look at Romans chapter 4, verse 17. And real quickly, everybody say real quickly. How many of you believe I can say something real quickly? How many of you believe I can say several things real quickly? I'm going to do it today. Six things I'm going to show you real quickly today from Romans 4. Verse 17, now we're going to jump into the middle of this thought. Because he's talking about us being justified by faith, not by our works. And here's what he says in verse 17. As it is written... I've made you a father of many nations. That was the promise to Abraham. Here's what it goes on to say. In the presence of him whom he believed God. What it's saying here is now, what's going to happen in the rest of this verse is referring to God. Here's what scripture says about God and this whole process with Abraham. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. How many of you believe that God has given life to the dead? Not just spiritually. He's done that for all of us. But how about physically? How many of you believe that Jesus raised people from the dead? How many of you believe in Scripture? It says God, does people, do not believe this? How many of you believe God who raised people from the dead? Okay, about 25% of us. That's why I'm teaching on faith today. God who raises from the dead, and then, notice this, He calls things. He announces things which do not exist as though they did. Now think about this. When God makes a promise, what is he doing? He's announcing something that does not yet exist. God makes a promise and he says, here's what's going to happen. But at that moment when God says it, it doesn't exist in your life. Remember what it says in this verse? God who who announces things that don't exist as though they did. God says, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's my announcement. Listen closely. God's promise is an announcement to you of what he's about to do. It's an announcement. Here's what I'm going to do. Well, that doesn't even exist. Exactly. But this is what I'm going to do. It's my promise, my announcement to you. When God makes promises, he promises things that don't yet exist. I was looking last night, and I went online. You know, you you can find stuff online so fast today. So I thought, you know, how how many promises are there in the New Testament alone? So I went online to this website, this, this Christian organization, their website. And here's what it says. There are 750 promises in the New Testament. 750. But then it gives a little disclaimer. It says, but, but... Because many of these promises are repeated, there are really only 250 promises in the New Testament. 
Let me ask you a question. How many of you think 250 promises are probably enough to get us through life? When you begin to read all the promises God has made to us, what I've learned is God has a promise for every situation in life. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care what you're going through. God has made promises in his word, and from time to time the Holy Spirit will make one of those promises come alive, and it just jumps off the pages and right in your face, and you realize, wow, this is what God is announcing he's going to do in my life. So what do I do? I need to start believing God. Number one, the first thing we need to realize is God makes big promises. Everybody say big. Big. God makes big promises. One of the problems we have as human beings is we picture God as this God who's out there somewhere, don't have any idea where he is. We talked about this last week. He's up there on his throne somewhere floating around in space, and I just wish he was down here. God is everywhere all at the same time. And when God begins to address our situations, he makes big promises. We tend to make God so small, and we hope he's just big enough to meet my need. God makes promises beyond what we need because he's a big God who makes big, big promises. We need to let God be big in our lives. And when God speaks into our lives, we need to say, yeah, that's a big God promising big things to me. God makes big promises and the second of all look at verse number 18 speaks of abraham abraham who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken what was announced what was promised so shall your descendants be when abraham believed God's promised God's promise he believed for something that was impossible see one of the things that happens as we come to church we're going to pray for needs today oh great because I got a lot of needs so we stand and we pray and we number one we ask God to do something and then we run over here to three and say okay I'm ready to catch it where is it and sometimes we fail to understand in the middle of this is this process of faith that's called believing. And in the middle of this thing, we tend to let our situations get bigger and bigger and bigger until we say, oh, but wow. I was so excited yesterday when we asked, but today, that's impossible. God promises, number two, God promises things that are impossible for us. God promises impossible things therefore when i choose to believe god i have to believe for impossible things if it wasn't impossible for us we wouldn't need god to get involved if we could do it ourselves we wouldn't be asking god to do it so what do we do we ask and then we believe that even when the word impossible pops up we go to scripture and what does scripture say with god all things are possible Nothing's impossible with God. Therefore, we have to say this is not impossible. This is possible because God is doing it. Abraham believed God's promise. He believed for something that was impossible. Now, everybody listen closely because I only want to go through this one time real fast because of time. Abraham knew it was impossible for himself and Sarah to conceive and have a son. 
They'd been trying for years. He was now 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 85, 90, 95, 96, 97, 98. For 24 years plus, 25 years, Abraham is believing for something that he knows is impossible. Because they've tried. It doesn't work. True faith will believe something that is impossible for us to do. You know what God's job is? God's job is to be God. You know what my job is? You know what your job is? Believe in Him. The one thing God wants from us is to be believed. It starts at salvation. It runs all the way through life. Let me take just a moment and do this real quickly. How do we come to Christ? God knocks on the door of our heart. We need a Savior. We believe Jesus came to die for our sins, died and rose from the dead and ascended back to the Father. And through that process, by grace, we are saved through faith. God extends grace. We reach up and accept it by faith. We are saved and brought into God's family, into his kingdom. The rest of our walk with God works the same way. God makes a promise. He knocks on the door of our heart. We say yes. We embrace it. And we wait for God to fulfill it. Now, how many people in the house today would say, well, I've received Jesus as my Savior. Let me see your hands. I'm saved. How do you know you're saved? You don't have any proof of it. God didn't put a tattoo on you. You may have put one on yourself. God didn't put a tattoo on you. He didn't put his mark on you and say, okay, this one, this one's done. It's, it's something that happens by faith. We walk this thing out by faith. How many of you are planning on going to heaven when you die? Well, how do you know you're going to heaven? You don't have a tattoo on you where God put your number and said, this one gets in. We go by faith because we know what God has promised to us. The whole, the whole verse that talks about we walk by faith, not by sight, it's talking about what happens when this life is over. How do we know those things? We know it by faith. God has promised it, we've embraced it, and it's alive and well and living in us. That's how we know. All of our walk with God walk, walks and works the same way. God makes a promise of something that's impossible, and we choose to believe it. Look at verse 19, number three. And not being weak in faith, Abraham did not consider his own body already dead, which meant it didn't work anymore in that sense, since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, I think everybody understands this. This guy's 100 years old, his wife is 90, they've never been able to have children, but yet Abraham was not moved by the deadness of their condition. The infertility, the inability to have children, they were not moved by that. What it says is not being weak in faith. This is so important that you get this today. Not being weak in faith. Not being weak in faith. That word weak means to be feeble, to be diseased, to be impotent, to be sick. L listen closely. His body was impotent, but his faith was not. Somebody here ought to get excited about that. There ought to be at least one old man in the house who says, Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't know about that because I'm still a young man, but there ought to be one old man here somewhere. <laughs> Abraham refused to let his faith become feeble, diseased, impotent, or sick. 
He said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to stop believing God. I'm not. Here's what God said. God said he's going to give us a son. God said, I'm going to be the father of many nations. God says all the earth is going to be blessed by my offspring and by specifically the Christ. I am not going to give up on that because God said it and I believe it. I am not going to get sick and diseased in my faith. Why? Because God can't lie about things. God can't lie. Third thing is, I must learn to agree with God. Well, we prayed last Sunday and it's been a week already and I don't feel any better. This hasn't changed. This whole thing is impossible for me. Well, maybe it was just the emotion of the moment. Well, maybe it was this or maybe it was that. Maybe it was that song. If they could just sing that one song one more time. We get our hearts wrapped around all the wrong things. What we need to be doing is we need to be agreeing with God and saying what God said about our situation. Can't you see Abraham for 25 years? It starts when he's 75, you know. And it's going when he's 80. And when he's 85. And when he's 95. Hey, did you hear? We're going we're gonna to have a baby. <laughs> really? Yeah, see my wife? No, I'm sure it wasn't quite that bad. But, but you understand what I'm saying? You're going to have a baby. Yeah. Well, how many kids do you have now? We don't have any. We've been trying for, well, you know, 70 years. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter. God said we're going to have a baby. Really? How old are you? I'm 99 and a half. <laughs> really? See, he agreed with God. See, some of us has been a week and we've already stopped agreeing with God. Well, maybe God's not going to do it. Well, maybe I misunderstood. Or maybe I should have prayed harder. Or maybe I should have said that phrase seven more times. You know what? Get superstition out of here. It comes down to one thing. We ask, and in order to receive in the process, we stand in faith and we believe God. We need to start saying what God said about the situation. Abraham believed God's impossible answer, which he could not see, rather than the dead condition of his physical situation and Sarah's. See, it was not only, I believe God can do this in my body, he got to believe for her too. The nearest person to him, he's got to keep her in faith. She's got to keep him in faith. But they're feeding their faith. How do they feed their faith? By agreeing with God. Now, there's always some in house. Well, you know, you. When you start talking about faith, you get way out there. Well, let me tell you what Hebrews 11.1 1 says. Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is the substance of what? What you're hoping for. The word hope means expectation. Faith is the substance of what you're expecting. It's also the evidence of things that are unseen. God makes promises about things that don't exist, things that are unseen. And then God says, I'm going to do this. His job is to be God and make it happen. My job is to stand here in the middle and believe God and agree with him. Agreeing with God strengthens my faith. Number four, look at verse 20. Verse 20. He, Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Some translations say stagger. He didn't waver. He didn't stagger. He wasn't yesterday and maybe tomorrow. Every day it was yes, yes, yes. I agree with God. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, 
but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Number four, there are going to be times when you have to fight for your faith. There are going to be times when your natural man wants to waver. There are going to be times when people around you tell you to forget about it and give up on it. There are going to be all kinds of things happening around you. You can look at the natural condition of things and you can say, well, this is impossible. I've been believing for a long time. This is never going to work. You're going to have to fight the fight of faith. It says he did not waver. Here's what's interesting. To waver means to separate everything thoroughly, look at all the pieces, and then withdraw from it, oppose it, hesitate it, doubt, and waver, and get off track. You know what this is talking about? This is talking about the mental process you're going to go through, the emotional process you may go through when you decide to stand in faith and believe God for something. You see, what we want is when you sense the presence of God like we did last Sunday morning and we pray and we ask, oh, this feels so good, it feels so right. The problem is the next Sunday, like today, you may not feel the same way you felt then. Did you know your feelings do not change God's ability? Your feelings do not change God's promises. We're not to live by our feelings. We're not to live by our emotions. We're to live by the Word of God. And there are times when your emotions and your mind is going to say, well, I'm tired of this. I've been believing for 17 minutes already. Where is it? Oh, it's been seven days. Seven days. I thought God was going to answer my prayer. He is, but he's looking for you to believe. Well, why doesn't he do it right now? Can I tell you something? God has his time. God has his purposes. God has his plan. We need to trust God because sometimes God's moving furniture around the universe. Sometimes he's shifting a whole lot of other things around to get things ready to answer that prayer because there's a purpose in that prayer being answered. It's my job is to believe God. He didn't waver. He had this mental war going on, but he did not waver. He did not give up. He stood in faith believing the announcement of God. He didn't let unbelief eat away, corrode his faith. But he was strengthened. He was empowered in faith. He was empowered in faith. He kept feeding his faith. Let me me tell you something. I'm amazed at Abraham. I'm amazed at Abraham. He didn't have the scriptures we have to feed his faith. But I'm amazed at Abraham. Because for 25 years, here's what I believe, for 25 years, with each day that passed, he got older, his wife got older, more wrinkles set in, they slowed down more and more and more. For 25 years, as they got older, with each day, he realized, I'm one day closer to receiving what God promised. See, we look over our shoulder and say, well, it's been seven days already. He realized it's seven days closer to God answering my prayer. It's closer. I'm on this journey. I'm on this journey of faith. I'm in this process. And I'm going to keep believing God because I'm getting closer to my answer every day. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. We need to feed our faith. We need to feed our faith. There are going to be times you've got to fight for your faith. When you begin to struggle in faith, you need to get into God's word and read those scriptures that talk about faith and let God feed your faith so you can hang in there and fight the good fight of faith another thing we need to be doing that abraham did he gave glory to god i guarantee you every time he got feeling down every time he was frustrated and wondering when's this going to happen 
he stopped and he praised God for the promise because the promise was God's announcement of what he was going to do he praised God he gave God glory for the promises he had made to him number five look at verse 21 we're almost finished number five verse 21 and being fully convinced that what God had promised God was able to perform Abraham was fully convinced now here, here's what's interesting about this word when it says fully convinced it comes down to one word in the original writings and what it means is Abraham weighed the evidence and after weighing the evidence he was fully convinced God's gonna do it in spite of all the impossibilities, in spite of the 24 and a half years that had passed, Abraham was fully convinced because the evidence said God's word is stronger than everything else. He believed. Abraham believed that God was able to perform what he promised. Interesting thing, if you look at the next verse, verse 22. It says that this was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. Throw verse 22 up there. Did you know Abraham was considered righteous by God? Why? Because he believed God. He believed God. Do you know why we need to keep believing? Because God looks at it and says, that's right. That's right. That's righteous. That's right. That's right. Just keep believing. Keep believing. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep believing. That's right in the sight of God. God demands that I believe him. Please hear me, I'm getting close to the end. God demands that we believe. He demands faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know why we stand in faith and believe? Because God's going to reward us for our faith. He's going to perform what he promised. So I don't give up. I stay in faith. You know, Mark chapter 6, I'll just refer to this real quickly. There's this story of Jesus going into his own hometown, his own home region. He began to preach and begin to teach and begin to work some miracles and they begin to say, wow, this can't be. I mean, this is the carpenter's son. We know this guy. He grew up here in town. This guy can't. How, how can this guy be doing all this stuff? Scripture says there was unbelief and ridicule. They began to question and say, it can't be, it can't be. And it goes on to say in, in, in this passage of Scripture that in his own hometown, his own home region, it says Jesus could not do many mighty miracles there. He could only heal a few sick folk because of their unbelief. It says he marveled. He marveled. He said, I don't get it. How can you not believe? You've seen the miracles. You've heard the message. You see what God wants to do. Why do you not believe? Why did Abraham receive 25 years later? Because he believed God. God's time, God's place, God's purpose. He believed God. And then number six, the sixth thing. Look at verses 23 and 24. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, verse 24, but also for us. It says more about us, but I'm going to stop right there. But also for 
us. Last thing, I must believe God's promises for me. I must believe that God's promise is for me. Oh, just the New Testament alone, just the New Testament, 750 promises, even if they're repeated in different passages, 250 different promises God's made to us. Did God lie about any of that? If he lied about one thing, he may have lied about all of it. If he told the truth about one thing, he had to tell the truth about everything because he's God. He can't lie. There is a promise in his word for every need you and I will ever face. Here's what we need to know as I close this morning. My faith, true faith, is built upon God's promise. See, that's why you don't just make stuff up out of the air. True faith is built on God's word, what he's promised to us. Sometimes we ask for big things. I've seen through the years, I've seen people ask for huge things. And I thought, wow, wow. You know what I've learned? When people ask for big things, a big God usually shows up. But you got to have big faith and wait on God's timing in his place. you got to believe. Believe, not give up. Believe. Two things as I close. Number one, maybe you're here today and maybe you're saying, oh, okay, I'm hearing all of this and I, and I get it kind of, but, you know, I, I need a God like that in my life. I've I got so many needs. I need God to get involved in my life. Where do I start? It all begins with us realizing God loves us so much. He saw so much value in you, in me, while we were lost in our sins and separated from him, he sent Jesus, his son, to this earth, God in the flesh, to die for our sins. He accepted his sacrifice and he raised him from the dead and then he ascended back to the Father. God says, first of all, you need to realize you need a Savior. Maybe you're here today and something's knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe something's just tugging on the inside of you and you're realizing, man, this is real, this is true. This is not just religion. Friend, we're not interested in giving you religion. We want to introduce you to God so you can be in relationship with Him and He can become your Father. He wants to be involved in every area of your life. And He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's saying, I'll give you life eternal. I'll wipe away all of your sins. But you have to receive it. You have to let me in. We do that by faith, by believing God. And we express our faith in words, in a prayer that just says, God, I need you. I want you in my life. I want to I pray today, and I'm going to ask everybody here to pray this prayer with me. Because if you're here today, and if you're the only one who's here and doesn't know the Lord, this is the most important moment of this service right now, to give you a chance to come into relationship with the God who loves you and cares about your life. And I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer. Repeat after me. There's nothing magic about my words, but just pray this from your heart. Close your eyes. Everybody here in the house. Let's pray this right out loud. Say, God, I need you. And I want you in my life. And I believe your word. And I receive you today. Forgive me of my sins. I want to know you as my father. I believe Jesus is the son of God. He died for my sins. Was raised from the dead. I accept Jesus as my savior. 
I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. God, I want to know you. So I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I want to learn your ways. I want to walk with you. From this moment forward, I believe you. I'll become your child. You become my father. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to pray one more prayer. If you just prayed that prayer, you know what? You're, you're one of God's children. He's living in you. I want to pray one more prayer for everybody in the house because there are people who are believing God for something. You have asked and you're waiting to receive. In the middle right now, you're fighting the fight of faith. I want to pray for you right now that we stand and we believe until we receive. Okay, let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I stretch my hands out over these people. And as we stand in faith, I ask you to increase our faith. Encourage us, help us to believe, not waver, not get sick and disease, not to give up. But Father, help us to be strong in faith, giving you praise for what you're about to do. God, teach us lessons of faith. Teach us how to live by faith, how to walk by faith, how to stand in faith and believe until the answer comes. God, don't let us be microwave Christians who have to get it today or we give up, but let us be people of faith who are persistent and do not give up on your word and your announcements. God, strengthen us. God, we will, we will agree with you. We will say what you say. We will confess your promise and believe your word. And then, Father, we will stand in faith and not give up because you have promised it. You will perform it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Stand in faith. Do not give up. How many have enjoyed God's word today? Did it hit home?